your host for Lacrosse Talk PM, Rick Solom. All right, welcome to Friday, Lacrosse Talk PM, 608-785-7914 is the talk and text line. I just got done sending my parents back home. They came to visit, a lot of green fluff. My mom made like post-Thanksgiving dinner for me, which was awesome, and Chagoski ate all. I ate all the green. I ate all the green fluff last night at like two in the morning. <laughs> First of all, you didn't save any for me, and secondly, <laughs> I completely understand. Honest to God, like if we were doing, if we were, if we weren't in a pandemic, and you could come in here on Fridays and 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 you know break it down, break down whatever we're going to break down today, I would have brought some green fluff for you. So blame Trump and the pandemic on your lack of green fluff. You know some. Uh, what are we? Ten days? A week? Uh, a week past uh, Thanksgiving? Could 2020 get any worse? Just the cap. Just the cap on 2020, right there. You, you. I mean, it was good too. It was my. So my girlfriend's parents make make their version of green fluff, which includes cottage cheese and mayonnaise in it. Whoa, whoa, and I don't whoa, know, whoa, whoa! Hold I, the phone here, Rick. Like I've never heard of that. I don't know. I don't know how to make green fluff anyway. But when you when, when I taste what I'm tasting. And then I am told what's in the ingredients uh, for their version anyway. I get cottage cheese and and mayonnaise, and I'm like, "What am I eating? This sounds terrible." But you know, I ate it and it was fine. But the cottage cheese, I could be like, you know, if you didn't tell me there was cottage cheese in there, it would have been fine. But you, I don't really like cottage cheese. I don't hate it, but it's just like I don't, I don't know, I don't really understand what it is. But when you tell me that there, you know, it's kind of like, hey, eat this thing, and then what is it? You know, like it's oh, it's what are we giblets or something? Remember we were talking about that a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I'd be like, Oh, that liver, all the gross stuff inside a, a Turkey. I'd be like, Oh, well, I liked it until you told me what it is. So it's like, ah, I like it until you told me there was mayonnaise and cottage cheese in it. But my mom doesn't, she makes it with all just sugar stuff, all like pineapples and ch- them cherries and marshmallows, just all the, all the sugary stuff. So, you just have to load it with sugar, and Rick, I'm the exact same way with cottage cheese. Like, I hate cottage cheese, but if I'm unaware that I'm eating it, I'll just be blissfully ignorant, and then someone says, well, there's cottage cheese in there, and then all of a sudden, like, I, I can't even, like, stomach it. Like, my brain just <laughs> goes to a place where, like, I, I can't digest this food anymore now that I have this knowledge that cottage cheese is in here. Yeah, and mayo. <laughs> Yes, and mayo, yeah. I, I mean, how is that even edible, to be honest? I, it was fine. It tasted fine, but I, I don't know. Like, it, it definitely wasn't as sweet as my mom's version because my mom's version didn't make it the night. It didn't last the night. Like, we had Thanksgiving dinner, and then everyone went to bed, and then I'm still up working, and I'm like, hmm, there's a little dish of, not even a little, I'm, I wouldn't even joke. It wasn't a little dish, but it was a big dish of, of green fluff, and it was gone. Oh, yeah, you just devour <laughs> that thing. Yeah, getting a lot done here in Lacrosse Talk PM. That guy I'm talking to, if you don't know, UW Lacrosse political science professor, Dr. Anthony Jagoski. Uh, we're both uh, number one fans of of the pistachio <laughs> green fluff that we uh, that lingers beyond Thanksgiving Day. I think we can push this into Christmas. Christmas is on a Friday, Jagoski. I don't think we'll be doing the show that day, but we'll you know you know what we will probably be doing that night. Green fluff. Yes, yes. Thanksgiving through Christmas is valid season for green fluff. Yeah, it's like a a month long. It's kind of like the October (laughs) version of pumpkin spice for us, at least. It's green fluff. 
<laughs> exactly, exactly. Now we just need Starbucks to make a green, a green oh fluff latte. God, that would be that would probably be the best thing ever. Although I I refuse <laughs> to wait in line at Starbucks. I think because there's a pandemic. Anytime I drive by that Starbucks by Best Buy, there's eight, at least 800 cars in line. They go all the way to back to bar, the Farm and Fleet, and uh, I'm like, I'm not going. I wouldn't even. Get, I'm not getting in line there. And that's like the worst parking lot that was ever designed by human beings. That parking lot that you're talking about, Rick, with the Starbucks in it and the Jimmy John's and Barachos. Like, like I love those places, but holy crap, that that parking lot is a pain. Yeah, and then you don't want to go into those buildings anymore. At least Starbucks, you want to go through the drive-through, but like you got to go around. You're like parked behind Best Buy to get in line to get to that Starbucks. Yeah, well, I, that pumpkin spice latte better be worth it, I guess. Well, you mean green fluff lattes. Green fluff latte. I mean, it probably would be. And then, you know, I, the a, a close second to the green fluff latte, or latte, the green fluff <laughs> is the cherry fluff that Hy-Vee has, or Hy-Vee uh, Festival has every once in a while. Every once in a while, because they'll have strawberry fluff. I'm like, eh, I'm not paying six bucks a pound for that. But they'll have cherry fluff in there, and I'm all I'm all about that stuff. Oh, yeah, you always got to hit up the deli at festival for that stuff. <laughs> Cherry fluff and then, you know, the eight-pack of, of fried chicken. Indeed. indeed. <laughs> <laughs> that's, and that's Rick Solom's Friday night after the show. <laughs> what a life you have, Rick. Yeah, it's a rough life. Uh, 608-785-7914 is the talk and text line. We have, a, we have quite a few things to, to break down. Um, a lot, a little bit of a, well, I don't even know if a lot or a little, I don't know why I said that, but some, some Wisconsin state legislature news, uh, even the Minnesota state legislature is going to try to negotiate a coronavirus relief package before, uh, their special, this, they have a special session. Do you know what these things are? A session, uh, amongst <laughs> the legislature, the Minnesota legislature is called a special session. They're negotiating now. I don't what, like, what are these? The go, no, what are they talking about? So they're well, going to, negot- well, you know, here in Wisconsin is the old gavel in gavel out special session. Like I, I would be, uh, interested to see if in Minnesota, they actually like discuss things at their special session. Well, they, th- they talk like they're going to have an agreement in these 10 days so that when they get to the session, we're, you know, maybe we will just gavel in and gavel out. But in between that 30 seconds, they're going to sign, uh, what is it? Gazilka. And I don't even know the Democrat, uh, you know, they got that. They ha- are they this are, is Minnesota still the only split legislature in the country? I guess I haven't looked that up because they were the last yeah. session. I believe so. Yeah. Is that why things get done? Because the House is one and the, the Senate is is the other. I don't remember which. I think the House is Democrat and the Senate's Republican. Yeah, I, I do think that it encourages more cooperation because you have a Democratic governor, a Democratic House, a Republican Senate. And that does put the Democrats in kind of a more powerful position than they're in here in Wisconsin, where they just have the governor. And really, the Republicans also have enormous discipline here in Wisconsin in the sense that the Republican legislature legislators in this state really toe the party line. They, they really have strong party discipline, and they're really committed to kind of their party and, and their conservative cause. So I, I think you both have kind of a, a weaker Republican Party in Minnesota, plus you know, a party that is extremely uni- unified and disciplined here in Wisconsin. All right, so that's one thing we're going to get into, um, this, the, law, the Trump lawsuit stuff. Do we want to, can we get into that? I, I said yesterday 
on the show that we've all we've all had to become experts on everything, and we and a lot of us have. I mean, we're we're virus experts, we're flu experts, coronavirus experts. Uh, you, you know, encompassing them all, epidemiology experts. We're lawsuit. We're uh, elections experts. We're Supreme Court. You know that what the Supreme Court can and can't do. We've become experts there on a state level and on a federal level, um, and and just you know it, keep, it, it keeps going. I ran out of steam there. I ran out of things that I could be an expert in. But uh, but we this is another thing that we've become experts on now is this uh, this lawsuit here on the elections in, in Wisconsin. That's another thing we can dive into, right? Yeah, absolutely. And it's just coming fast and furious, Rick. Like, this legal action, it's going very, very quickly at this point, both in Wisconsin and around the country, because the Trump campaign is absolutely just covering the court system with lawsuits aimed at trying to you know, overturn the election results or have some kind of action taken when it comes to the vote count or the election outcome. And so we're experiencing that same thing here in Wisconsin because we've got multiple lawsuits making their way through the system here in Wisconsin, lawsuits initiated by the Trump campaign. All right, so that is a couple of things we're going to get to. Also, the House passed some uh, decriminalizing marijuana legislation today. Uh, We could talk about that a little bit, but I'm doing the news. I recorded it, so if you're watching on Facebook Live, I'm not literally doing the news live. But uh, we're going to go to me doing the news. We'll be back with UW Lacrosse political science professor Dr. Anthony Jurgoski after this. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. 608-785-7914. Andy Williams, happy holidays. Here's it really gets down right here. No, that's the new that's like the remix. There's a remix of this song, Chagoski, where it just like it gets really funky. And uh it's it's a little awkward for an Andy Williams like old school Christmas song and all of a sudden it's got like beatbox in it and I don't know. But, you just can't mess with that Andy Williams music. I, I, I will not accept any remixes or anything like that of Andy Williams. <laughs> I had a I had Tim Grinky on yesterday to talk about uh, the Rittenhouse thing, and we had a we had a a, a police shooting uh, trial yesterday, and the, he's the district attorney here. And I just grabbed. I think I grabbed it. I'll try to find it. I don't know if I'll be able to. I grabbed an Andy Williams song and slid it in, and it was very aw- awkward and awful. Like it was one of like a, you know, not all of them are winners, and this no. definitely was. And I'm like, and I, I I could feel it through the phone. Like Grinky was like, and he even's like, he's like, what is this? I don't. I didn't request this. So that's why I thought ahead. I'm like, what Tchaikovsky? What do you want to listen to? And you were you were down with Andy Williams over Bing Crosby. Well, Andy Williams for the classics, for sure, but then Mariah Carey for the more recent stuff. Yeah, that's because you're young. I hate Mariah Carey songs. <laughs> I, just, I, don't know. I get so sick of Mariah Carey songs. Um, uh, 608-785-7914 is the talk and text line. That's UW Lacrosse, political science professor. We don't even, I bring a political science professor on him. So far, we've talked about Christmas music and green fluff. And we, we mentioned, you know, some state legislative stuff, but uh, beyond that, uh, we, I, I feel like we don't even, we don't get a whole lot accomplished, which is kind of like how we want to roll on a Friday. I should probably bring you on, on Mondays when we, we, we were down to business on a Monday, right? Like it's a little bit more serious, but, um, then we wouldn't be in as good a mood and we wouldn't get the Friday news dump. I feel like some of these things are Friday news dumps. 
Oh, absolutely, Rick. And, and, you know, I guess this is what I'm using my PhD for, like talking about green fluff with you and talking about Andy Williams with you. I guess I guess that's why I did five years of PhD study. <laughs> I know when you and when you go to apply, I feel like, you know, at some point you'll move from UWL to, you know, maybe a, like the Badgers. Maybe you'll go be a pro- political science professor there or or wherever. I don't know. Is the next step to just go to a D1 school or do you go D2? How does that work? What's the next step for a, what is the ladder as a political science professor? Is there a ladder like or do you do you end up on CNN and Fox News? Well, the top faculty go to the major research universities. Uh, so, you know, and UWL is not a major research university, so you know, you draw your own conclusions about me. <laughs> They'll then. just hire anyone. Uh, but <laughs> But yeah, the the top faculty go to schools like you know UW Madison, but there they, they there they mainly focus on research. Um, so the difference between a school like UW Lacrosse and UW Madison is that teaching is the majority of what I do, yeah. and teaching might be a small part of what what they do at UW Madison. So do you as, as a as personally would you rather be teaching or researching? It just sounds awful to me. I'm like, oh, good, I get to read and have to like study and figure out some. I don't know. That sounds that you know, but some people are into that. I don't know. You sound like you might be into the research side of things. Yeah, I am. I am, Rick. But you know, I, I'm definitely more into teaching. And people just develop different kind of preferences on that question during like a, a PhD program. You know, some really gravitate towards teaching. Some really gravitate towards research. I ended up gravitating towards the teaching side. I don't really, I just love being in the classroom, but you know, others, you know, publish great books and publish articles and, and that's awesome that they do that. And then what kind of political science professor ends up, you know, first on CNN and then on WISM, you know, like the hierarchy there you go, <laughs> CNN, Fox News, WISM. I think that's how that goes. But uh, are those like the outcasts that aren't any good at teaching and then also don't want to do research? So they end up in the, uh, in the in the you know mainstream media field is that is that or, or or do those are those people just better at talking than most political science professors well rick i think some researchers would say that like what you and i are doing is like beneath the dignity of the <laughs> profession of professor um so you know not everyone would be down with this but i don't know i i, I think plenty of people are though yeah, I don't. I, I mean, it depends. I feel like uh, you know, if we really wanted to get into the weeds on this stuff, the the people that are doing the research are going to know have all the knowledge on these things. Um, but but at the, at this point, you know, they're not going to know that there's sometimes mayonnaise and green fluff. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> you know, this is what the public needs to know. Yeah, definitely. All right, so let's let's jump into the weeds on this. Uh, Robin Voss has been he's he's in the news in a couple of different ways. He's the Assembly Speaker, uh, a Republican in Wisconsin, and and first of all, he released like a coronavirus aid package, or, or I don't even know what you want to call it. I don't know if you call it aid or AIDS. It's uh, it's 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 like the anti-coronavirus bill. Hey, what do we need to do? We need to get you know nursing homes open. We need people to be able to go into nursing homes. Where in Minnesota, at least, like sixty-five percent of uh, all the deaths are from nursing homes. So yeah, let's do that. That that sounds like a smart thing because Wisconsin's not every person that's died in the cross. All forty-one people that have died in the cross have been sixty or over. So yeah, Robin Voss, let's get people into nursing homes. That sounds smart. Rick, the Voss bill is basically, or I would say completely unacceptable in the eyes of Tony Evers. And he even faces a challenge within his own party because 
you have the Republican state senators who really have indicated that they don't intend to come back during the month of December. So you have kind of three different things going on. You have the Evers proposal that came out. You have the Voss proposal that came out. And then you have the Senate Republicans that are kind of comfortable just letting things ride throughout the month of December. But yeah, Rick, you know, it really wasn't surprising to see some of the elements of this Voss proposal. One notable thing that it included, it would really empower the Republican legislature in terms of the distribution of government money, the distribution of the vaccine. It would really, really be another thing that would peel back Tony Evers' power and greatly empower the Republican legislature. So, uh, you know, in addition to the measures to deal with coronavirus, it also, the Voss proposal, really would bring the power to the legislature instead of Evers. So obviously, I don't think Evers would be on board with that. Yeah, it's and the idea, like, we need a coronavirus package to help Wisconsin. So let's do all the opposite things. But all the things that, well, I don't know, some of the, the headline on, on WPR is like the, the, the bill would send teachers back to school. Everyone can agree that if teachers were back in school, that would be great kind of a pandemic going on and then send workers back to the offices. That's where I would hear like brakes squeak. What workers back to offices. I feel like after this pandemic's over, a lot of jobs are just going to change. Um, you know, like the brick and mortar office building type jobs are, are going to go away because everyone's figured out, Oh, we don't have to pay rent on the brick and mortar buildings. And we can just have people, we'll give them, you know, computers and send them on their way and have them work for, from home. That, that sounds like a lot, a lot of cost saving initiatives there. What's interesting, Rick, and I think you're right about that, that, you know, there is going to be a lot of talk about, you know, well, do employees have to physically be located in an office? The the Voss proposal is very specific about where the state employees need to be and where they need to be under the Voss proposal is in their office. And like you said, teachers physically located in schools so this really does kind of try to get things back to normal, I mean, so to speak, in terms of just where people are working from and saying that, you know, teachers and government employees can't work from home anymore. Plus, you have restrictions on, you know, measures that could, you know, reduce capacity at a bar or a restaurant. So it would kind of peel back the authority of local health authorities and then um, would ban any restrictions on gatherings at churches. So it's it's an interesting proposal in the sense that it it's quite revealing about what Robin Voss thinks is the way forward here. It's you know, like, to to bring things more back in person and right. to reduce the authority of local officials to kind of shape the capacity limits and and to really really empower the legislature instead of these local officials or the governor. Yeah, the, I, f- I feel like Robin Voss watched the, the Netflix series Stranger Things and, and discovered the upside down, the upside the world where you're, you're kind of in the opposite. You're, or Seinfeld, the bizarro world where, you know what, we're going to just do everything backwards. Like, let's just do everything the opposite of what everyone else says. And, and we'll call that a COVID package when, when actually it's just, yeah, I, I have no idea what's going on. Anyway, so we've we've bumped up to against Trigoski's favorite thing that comes on Friday, Scott's comment. So we're going to get to that, and then I'm doing the news again. I'm sorry about that. You're going to have to listen to me a little bit longer. 
And uh, we'll be back with UW Lacrosse political science professor Dr. Anthony Chergoski, and we'll probably talk about that Wisconsin uh, elections lawsuit when we come back. The worst Christmas music, Mariah Carey. I tell you, Rick, this is a top five Christmas song. <laughs> is this the best one of Mariah Carey's Christmas music? Absolutely. No, no, no. It's too much, man. It's just, you know, it's too much. It's going to get really... Just wait for it right here. This is too much for Christmas. This is too much. Too many musical instruments being played. She better do it. Otherwise, I don't know. And, I don't know. See, now the bells come here, I think. Yeah. 608-785-7914. Yeah, piano, bells. Is that a cowbell in there? Look at this. This is too much, you guys. All right. Well, get out of here, Mariah. Get out of here. Um, all right. I don't even know if I finished telling the phone number. 608-785-7914 is the talk and text line. Hey, uh, we got two calls, Chagoski. So let's go to Joe here first and Libertarian guy next. Uh, Joe Joe wants to talk. I don't know what Joe actually wants to talk about, but I, I flipped him on hold there when I was talking to him during the break into uh, we, we, he feels he's like, well, you guys aren't talking about anything. And then I brought up green fluff and then he was down. He wanted to talk about green fluff himself. <laughs> so it's one of these things I think we all can relate to. Go ahead, Joe. Uh, Rick forced me into talking about green fluff. I'd like to start off with that. Uh, also, though, I'd like to challenge anybody. I guarantee you, you would not kick Mariah Carey out of bed for eating crackers. So if everybody wants to say she sucks, so it's, uh, I'd like to see that. But, uh, yeah, green fluff with mayo, of course that's going to be a downer to everybody. I don't understand that. You're ruining Christmas with that. <laughs> and cottage cheese. Mayo and cottage cheese. <laughs> Okay, that's it. You know, you're running kind of <laughs> Joe, if you had like one of those, Joe, if you have like one of those old phones, you could slam it right now, but we can't even do that. We need an app that just does the slam <laughs> hang up. Someone make the slam hang up. To, app. Do, the, to do the phone slam? Yeah. Hey, you know, one, one of the things I wanted to point out, though, for real, you know, if this whole COVID response was about getting America back working and, and making America strong again, we would make a provision where 60-year-olds and older, you know, stay home and we keep people out of the nursing homes, just like we did with H1N1, you know, a normal virus response. But really what this is is just uh, to hide the fact that they're going to ship all the jobs back out of the United States again. We don't want manufacturing here. We can make a, a few people can make a heck of a lot more money if we stop getting the American dollar in the way. And that's really what this is. It's just another cover-up to get the jobs out of here. Make the money for the top industry, you know, and let the American people suffer. Exactly the reason why Trump got in in the first place. So we're headed right back towards another Trump. All and right. I'll vote for him in 2024, even if he is 83 or 84. I'm going to vote for the guy. All right. I don't. I don't know if he's making. You know, the idea that we're just Trump's just going to make it four more years. I mean, he's not the 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 healthiest guy in the world. I'm not saying anything bad going to happen but you never know four years is a long time uh libertarian guys calling uh libertarian guy go ahead hey i don't know if joe can still hear if he's got his radio on but i just have to say that uh this is a family show and my under 18 year old kids are listening you know talking about uh about mariah carey so just had to add that in <laughs> hey i might have two things to discuss if there's time but uh i understand if there's not go, go ahead um i well i wanted to get um um anthony turgowski's take on what he may not have seen yet, but I was just looking at YouTube just before I turned on your show, 
And um, I, I was listening to you guys, too, and I, I hear you continuing to kind of make light of, just like the general media does, about these allegations of fraud. And what I saw in the YouTube video was, and I'm sorry, I don't know the state, but they were showing whichever state it was that said, okay, we're going to stop counting and, and everybody go home. So they show a whole bunch of the poll workers going home, including the Republican observers. Have you Googled and after this? Everybody, Have you Googled after, this yet? After, I just found it on YouTube, and, right. it's, and it's it's been it's been in the news. Yeah. But, so here's anyway, so here's two a, headlines. A whole bunch no of people left. Yeah. Here's two headlines. No Georgia election workers didn't kick out observers and illegally count suitcases of ballots. So okay. <laughs> before before you you go and say I saw a video on YouTube and is it true? Uh, and, you know, maybe like you could fact check it <laughs> before you okay. had two things. So what, but, what's the other thing? Well, but how do you know it's not true? I guess is the question. Every, every time these allegations get made, somebody in media just refutes it without any kind of explanation. But so, you're, fu- anyway. but you're feuding it without any, <laughs> without any knowledge. You saw a video on YouTube. <laughs> okay. I'll, I'll, I'll accept it. I, uh, is this yeah, feuding? Yeah, Can I'll, you feud I'll, something? I'll, I don't know. Trigoski, are we feuding as, a pu- as opposed to refuting something? I'll have to check the dictionary on that one. <laughs> what was the other yeah. thing, Libertarian guy? Me, me as well. Well, the other thing is I was listening to my case this morning, and all this talk about COVID, and one of his people poll questions was looking at, you know, is the government doing enough? And, of course, I take issue with that because – I don't have any idea what the government really can do other than dole out fiat money, you know, to give to people and and add to the national debt. As far as dealing with COVID is concerned, what I observe is I go to Quick Trip for lunch a lot down in Viroqua. And what I observe are people just coming in out of of Viroqua or out of of Quick Trip, not wearing masks, not using hand sanitizer, um, touching the door, so on and so forth. And our governor has asked people to wear masks, and and people don't do it. And so, yeah, I suppose the legislature could pass a law that says, yeah, we all got to carry hand sanitizer and wear masks, but people refuse to do it. And all it takes to get a handle on this COVID virus is to make good, responsible choices. And, and I guess I would add, if, if I mean, you can't fix stupid, <laughs> if, if, if the government could make people wear masks, we wouldn't have people getting four, five, six, eight OWIs. Well, if the if we want, you know, if for a while their Menards had an armed guard at the door, so the government could distribute armed guards. Thanks for the call, Libertarian guy. Armed guards throughout the state. Every business gets a free armed guard provided to you by the National Guard. How about that, Chagoski? Can we can we can we do that? Can we provide armed guards throughout all every quick trip? Armed guard provided by the National Guard, and as opposed <laughs> to testing sites. Maybe that maybe that should be in Robin Voss's COVID nineteen package, Rick. It's the noisy minority of people out there who are against masks. It's really an overwhelming majority of people who wear masks and who think masks are effective and yeah. who are fine with mask requirements in businesses and indoors. It's just this incredibly noisy, like, 15 to 20 percent of people who just have an issue for some reason with masks, um, you know. And, and so they kind of have come to dominate this conversation through, like, viral videos that show people making a scene at, like, TJ Maxx or whatever. 
Yeah, and then it, it it doesn't make for like at this point in the pandemic too. It doesn't make for super fun radios to like talk about wearing masks. Talking about arming all businesses with national guard people, and maybe I don't know whatever gun uh, the army distributes as as uh, just just the main here. This is the gun you train on. This is the gun that pretty much everyone gets. They get that, and that guy that person stands outside a quick trip in their fatigues and has a gun and just you know maybe wears a sign that says "Put on your mask." I don't know. I feel, I feel like I've solved the pandemic. That you know, Rick, you you, you may have, and, and that would be more exciting for the National Guard probably than running these COVID test sites too. Yeah, definitely. I feel like it, doing the sticking a swab up everyone's nose or whatever <laughs> the National Guard has to do in in terms of that. I'm sure one person gets to do that, and another person, you know, whatever that. Um, it, it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't sound like the, the, the funnest job at this point. They can go back to doing whatever the national guard did before that. I don't know. And it's going to be winter here. So they're going to have to do other things. I'm sure when it comes to like snow emergencies, um, Trigoski, Eric from Sparta is calling, I believe Eric, go ahead. Yeah. I was kind of wondering, uh, and Mr. Uh, your, your, uh, guest, uh, what happens if, uh, the, the two Democrat senators went in, uh, South Carolina, no, Georgia, Mm-hmm. Well, how much damage do you think the Democrats will do? Are they going to take your guns away? Because I saw it in the paper. They're going to do it. They're going to do everything they can. They're going to run the place. They're going to have two more states, uh, Puerto Rico and D.C., and they're going to eliminate the uh, uh, electoral college because that will give them complete control over the country, east coast, west coast. The big cities control everything. My vote doesn't count them. What about socialism? That's a fair, fair thing to say. We'll be... Thanks, I Medicare for all as well. Um, communism will probably invoke and, and start that. Uh, got all the trigger words there, Chagoski, I feel like. Well, we missed a couple, I suppose. I think that's what some of these left-wing activists wish the Democratic Party was was like, um, that they wish the Democratic Party would go big like that on that kind of left-wing agenda. But what would happen in the event that the Democrats won the Georgia Senate runoff elections is we would have a 50-50 Senate and the vice president breaks the tie whenever there is a 50-50 vote in the Senate. But that basically means that the moderate senators would just completely call the shots because, you know, to get to 50 votes, you have to appease the most moderate of the senators So I think Eric's guns are safe. I don't think the Electoral College is going anywhere. I think the Democrats would love to have 50 votes, obviously, but it's going to still be pretty modest in terms of what they can achieve because back in November, they really did underperform expectations in those Senate elections. The the idea that we're we're I don't know I just I'm trying to read too many things and I just lost train of my thought but the idea that we, we're going to do oh the electoral college I don't have we don't have enough time to just break down the electoral college but and you know everyone thinks that oh California would control that you know we would just we, the presidents would only campaign in California and New York and and that idea but the you know how many votes Trump Trump loses quite a few votes in California by the electoral college being in existence you know. Oh, yeah, there were millions of Trump voters in California that you know, just frankly were not accounted for by the Electoral College because they're swamped by the Democratic voters in California. But California is such a huge state that Trump has millions of supporters 
in California that would not be accounted for in the outcome of the election. Heaven forbid, but I did see a meme about this, and it was like Trump votes in California exceeds the amount of votes in, and it listed like nine states. So yeah. it was kind of funny. Like, oh yeah, maybe maybe the electoral college would be better for both parties. Maybe getting rid of it anyway. Um, we 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 have two things to talk about. Not a ton of time, but the House voted to decriminalize marijuana at the federal level today. This is something that. Um, Rob Abraham has said he's the assistant police chief of lacrosse, uh, the city of lacrosse. And he said, we just need to do something federally so that we don't have this. Like you get to one state and marijuana is this, and you get to another County and marijuana is that. And it's just like, this is good news, uh, in terms of, I think even in terms of the police where there's one rule and it's just decriminalized. Um, but, but we do have, uh, it, it is funny, like Ron kind voted for it. So he wants to decriminalize it. And my, my Congressman, uh, Jim Hagedorn, a Republican, voted against it. And it was mostly along party lines, but there were some outliers. There were, Rick. It was mostly a party line vote. And this thing is dead on arrival in the Senate. But it is a historic vote because we haven't had this kind of action on marijuana taken in Congress. And this does reflect shifting public attitudes towards marijuana legalization, where in recent years we've seen poll after poll after poll indicating a significant majority of the public does favor legalizing marijuana. In 2019, according to Pew, it was 67 percent of the public that does favor legalizing marijuana. So Congress has been, you know, a a laggard on this. They've been sort of behind public opinion. But I I think kind of in this House vote, they're sort of kind of catching up to where the public is at. Well, and to be honest, like there was there were two parties in Minnesota in these congressional races called like legalize weed and uh, pro marijuana or just something. They were very like funny. If you, you were looking at your ballot and you didn't care, you'd be like. Legalized weed party. Hell yeah, I'm voting for that guy. You know, it was just um, and they really they took a lot of votes. I think they took like 20,000 votes out of my my congressional district. So uh, when my congressman wins by 10,000 votes and 20,000 votes go to the weed party, I start going stupid third party weed party. Get out of here. Rick, I guess I'm surprised that more major party candidates haven't taken sort of a pro-legalization stance. I mean, there's nothing really to worry about unless you're in like a super, super conservative district. But I mean, even if you're in like a middle of the road district, like you're going to be fine. The public's going to be on your side if you vote to legalize marijuana. So I found it a bit baffling that Congress has, you know, been so slow to catch up to where public opinion has. And public opinion has just moved dramatically over the last two decades on this issue. Yeah. And it's just and the idea that the House votes to decriminalize it is such a like, let's put our toe in the water and feel how decriminalized. Just legalize marijuana, you stupid feds, and, and let it go and we'll figure it out that way. Like, just go all in, like jump in the pool on the marijuana. We're just like, oh, we'll decriminalize it. We'll see what happens. Uh, it's just annoying. Well, Rob Abraham has an absolutely valid point, because states are taking radically different approaches to this issue, and that does create significant confusion. That's really one of the downsides of kind of letting states do their own thing, because when the states take dramatically different approaches to an issue, it does create significant confusion, or at least can do that. And and I think that's been the case with this issue. I guess decriminalizing it would be like a kind of a baby step to at least we're decriminalized it across the nation. And now states can decide whether they want to rake in millions of dollars taxing it by selling it legally. 
Yeah, yeah, where the federal government kind of sets a baseline and then states can adjust from there. That seems like where we might eventually be heading. All right, can we can we figure can we bring up what Robin Voss is uh whatever he's doing next week, can we do that in a minute and a half or not? Yeah, he's just doing like a, he's just doing a, a hearing on the election. And I think he's in kind of a tough spot, right? Because this election is what it is. The results are what they are. The results are not going to be overturned. But there are significant doubts within his own party, you know, primarily driven by the tweeting and, and kind of the rhetoric of President Trump. Uh, you know, putting pressure on Republican elected officials to, you know, do something as far as looking into their election. And I think that's exactly what Robin Voss is doing. He's very much responding to pressure from up top here, in this case, the White House. The idea that you could just sue people for things. Do you need how much money do you actually need to just start suing states over the election? Do you need a lot of money or can I do that as a poor person? Well, I mean, I I would dig into the Trump campaign's financials on that because they have been filing lawsuit after lawsuit after lawsuit. It's been remarkable to watch. Yeah, it's it just seems kind of baffling that hey, we're just going to file a bunch of lawsuits no matter how you know how, how inept they are or how ridiculous they sound or they have no merits, but we're going to do it anyway, and that way we'll fire up our base so that they donate to our quote unquote lawsuits and they donate to my campaign and I just rake in the money. Oh, the Trump campaign has bought in a significant amount of money with fundraising appeals related to this election. I mean, they bought in tons of money after the election related to these appeals for funding for their lawsuits and, and so forth. All right. That's Dr. Anthony Chagoski. Thanks again for, for uh, joining us on a Friday, man. Thanks, Rick. All right. See ya. All right. We're going to take that last quick break. We'll be back. All right. That's going to wrap it up. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Kind of sad. I'm out of green fluff. Nothing nothing to look forward to. Well, maybe I could stop over at the grocery store and see what kind of fluff they have. And fried chicken. <laughs> um, yeah, that's all I got. We'll see what happens next week. I think Rob Abraham is going to come on early, maybe Monday. I think he said Monday and talk about the the uh, sentencing yesterday of of crook and and it in terms of it being you know related to a police shooting i kind of asked grinky about that yesterday um and then we're going to talk to uh we're going to talk vaccines i I think i hope on tuesday with a viterbo uh, expert on that all right we'll see you guys